Welcome back to the Below 500 Podcast, the podcast where three friends rush each other for following bad teams and giving awful takes. I'm Hunter. I'm Gooch. And I'm Wiz. And this episode is brought to you by our first sponsor, Depression. <laughs> I'm saying Depression because Texans didn't have a first-round pick. Patriots did not get Justin Fields, and I don't know what the Cowboys were doing last night. Michael Parsons, best linebacker in the draft. I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of wasn't a huge need y'all needed. Y'all need more everything. Corner. I, th- I think we're, I think we're about to get Asante Samuel because uh, the Raiders pick us in. So if they don't pick him, we're next. I think we got him. All's good. Yeah, I saw Asante Samuel going in the first round. Mm-hmm. Hunter, do the Texans even have a second round pick? No, they do not. Their first pick is in the third round, and I think it's number 67. Yikes. So, first round of the draft concluded last night. What were y'all's overall thoughts of the first round? Absolutely gut-wrenching for the page. Very clear that that's my guy. I, I'm coming around on Mac Jones. I don't dislike Mac Jones. It's just he doesn't excite me the way Fields excited me. I mean, I think he's a Belichick guy. I think he's going to fit in amazing. But seeing Fields in a Bears uniform is just sickening. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say pretty much last night, I did not expect. I mean, my mock was awful. I didn't expect half the picks to happen the way they happened. Uh, If the Cowboys don't end up getting Asante Samuel right here, I'm going to be pissed that we missed out on Sertain. But hopefully if they get him right now, I can be happy about this draft. Yeah. I know filling out my mock was – it was so hard because once pick four came, really pick three, because didn't know what San Francisco was going to do with their I'm pick. Never. But oh, we were really – three and four. Well, and I, I had – had mock locked down until about four o'clock when Aaron Rodgers changed everything. So, I mean, like, my mock shows Green Bay picking ninth overall, but – I might not be totally wrong if the news I'm hearing about Aaron Rodgers to Denver being almost a done deal comes through. That could save my entire my entire uh, outlook. See, I, I don't get how we were all so sure that the 49ers were taking Mac Jones. Like everyone was, though. Why yeah, that literally everyone. Like that's when they came out. Whenever they, after the trade, they said that they were confident that Mac Jones would be their next quarterback. And I don't they really had like they liked him. I just don't get it. Like I don't feel. I just don't. Is Trey Lance the guy you trade up to three for? I I don't think so. I think like, I was iffy on Jones. I thought like for what you're giving up to get to three, it has to be Fields. Jones is like defendable. I just don't get Trey Lance at three. Like, I mean, I don't think because what was their original position? Uh, 12th, 
the Niners? They could have traded up. You could have easily had Trey Lance at twelve. But I don't but like you didn't need to go all the way up to three either. Like, well, because they got think... that pick from the Dolphins. Dolphins yeah. aren't taking a quarterback. Yeah. And I don't think I think the Falcons would have taken Pitts no matter what if he was there. For sure. The ba- yeah. The Bengals don't need him. The Eagles didn't need him. Lions probably wouldn't have. But we know the Panthers and Broncos passed up on Fields, so they probably would have passed See, up I on didn't... Lance. I didn't think the Falcons was there that Kyle Pitts is such a sure pick in Atlanta because with them being the fourth overall pick, you'd think they might want to go ahead and draft a replacement to Ryan. And there was talks about them liking Fields or them liking yeah, Lance. Well, Lance I mean, got taken a three. Everybody, a bunch of people felt the same way as you, Hunter. The only thing I locked in Pitts at four as soon as they started shopping Julio Jones. That makes sense. Because I mean, Atlanta doesn't have enough. Cap they they have a stacked receiving core. Uh, yeah, I mean, you unload cap space, you get a solid rookie who probably develops into a Julio Jones type player in the future, and you still keep Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage, who Russell Gage actually showed promise last year. Yeah, and Calvin Ridley, showed just, he has the ability to be a number one receiver. He's been a solid number two receiver. Uh, who is Kelvin Joseph? And why did the Cowboys just pick him over Asante Sanders? Kelvin Joseph. My biggest question that's a, is has That's Kellen a question Mond, for Jerry Jones. Has Kellen Mond been drafted yet? Kel, oh, I was saying Kellen Moore. He has not. No, he'll probably be like. Late third, early fourth, I think. I'm hoping he falls to three with Houston. Either him. You, know, you you want your first pick to be Kellen Mond? It's the third round. I mean, he Watson's probably staying. Like Watson, he already came out and said that he's still, still firm on not playing, and he still wants out, even with who, all the allocations. Who y'all? Tyrod Taylor, and didn't y'all get another quarterback too? Um, I think it was a Cincinnati's backup. Was it Finley? Oh, yeah, Ryan Finley. Yeah, yeah I mean, Ryan Finley. I mean, I, I just like think, it. like, all the teams that were in the quarterback market got their quarterbacks, so I it's think just, the it's still probably pretty safe. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting to see where Kyle Trask and Gilliman still go. I think yeah, Washington I is going to pick one of them. They need it because Fitzpatrick was probably his last year. So, like – it's a, it's a perfect time to draft. But also, yeah, also Washington still has Taylor Heineke. Yeah, I don't I think know. you're riding with Heineke. I, think I mean, he, 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 he was good. still in the, the quarterback market. He, he was good in the last stretch. But he if you was, can he, if you he can showed, have him He in showed a, he can stand his ground against Tampa Bay in the playoffs. He damn near beat the Super Bowl championships. I mean, Brock Osweiler stood his ground for six games when Peyton Manning was out. Yeah, that turned out. I mean – I think, I think I would want, um, I'd want a competition between like Bond Ooh, or Trask. And I just saw I, that. I actually, and I had that in the first round, I believe. I had Jaguars taking Walker Little with their twenty-five pick. Oh, did they just get Little? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, honestly, shocked he fell. Mid, I thought he was late first, early second for sure. Yeah, I'm just – it hurts. I'm happy for Jacksonville because they've been poverty for so long, but it hurts seeing this happen in Houston. In the division? 
Yes, that hurts. Like they deserve mm-hmm. it because I hate being a Texans fan. You hate seeing other teams struggle, and God, we're gonna struggle twice as hard now. I mean, what y'all got? The Titans who have been nice. You have Titans the Colts. Nice. Colts just got full. Colts to keep finding a way. Exactly. Not Foles, Jacksonville um, has promise with Lawrence. Colts got wins. Colts yeah. got wins. What did I say? Foles. Foles. Yeah. Who, yeah, no, Wentz, I mean, Wentz we don't really know what Wentz can do. Like, I was looking into it. Wentz led the league in sacks last year and only played 12 games. See, that's I different, think, though. Now he's in a better situation with him. That's what I'm though, saying. That's the thing. Like, we don't even know though, what Wentz can do. Yeah, you put him behind, like, an actual viable offensive line, and, like, he may be a totally different player that we've never seen before. Yeah, the See, Colts' offensive line still isn't the same, but it's because Costanza retired. But it's still better than what Philly had. As a massive sure. Eagles hater, I'm gonna say I think Wentz had a, one of the worst O lines in the league. On top of after his MVP season, where he got injured, it seemed like it seemed like the playbook they wanted him running the most complicated plays. So, of course, when you put a mobile think- rookie in there with a simplified playbook, he's gonna do better. The only thing that I see kind of standing in the way of Wentz is, I won't say zero, but extremely limited offensive weapons. That's very true. I mean, but well, they have T.Y. and running if backs. Look, if you look at the Super Bowl year. A running right. back. I mean, what? No, they have Frank, Jonathan Taylor and Mac's going to be. Isn't and who? No. No, the, yeah, they brought Mac back, didn't they? Um, yeah, something Mac. He uh, Marlon Mar- Mac. Marlon Mac. Yeah, he tore his ACL or something early last That's year. Right. I forgot about. And, and their other yeah. running backs are like Swiss Army knives too. Like, um, right. See. But I mean, I, I'm not draft. I'm not not drafting. I'm not like picking up a quarterback with the intention of him throwing flare routes to running backs. Sure. Like, yeah. And it okay. took Ty Hilton like ten weeks to like wake up last year. Yeah. And I'm still not sold on – I mean, Jack Doyle and, what, Moe Allen Cox aren't great. They, they're, they're decent. They're, like – They're, they're serviceable. But it also hurts them to not have any wide receivers around them. Like, if they had a wide receiver core to kind of blend in with, then I think you have two serviceable tight ends. But when you have to actually, like, expect them to produce basically wide receiver two numbers, that ain't yeah. it. They should have went over, went after someone like Curtis Samuel. He could have been done good for them. But if you want to talk about free agent additions, Houston has like thirty plus. Yeah, a bunch of veteran guys. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's a bunch of veteran guys with a bunch of like one year low risk high reward players. Which I mean, I mean, if we're if we're talking free agency, we're talking the New England Patriots. I mean, if you run down the depth depth chart of free agency additions plus the COVID holdouts that they're getting back for next year. This team is like, I think people forget how stacked this team was before the COVID season. Oh yeah. Y'all lost half his half y'all's defense. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, on offense, we've got Cam Newton, Mac Jones. So, I mean, we're, we're chilling there. You've got just an stable of running backs 
Damian Harris, Sony Michelle, James White. I mean, that's neither one. None of them is like head and shoulders above anybody else. But I mean, it's a solid three. And then you, you've got Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Nikhil Harry, and I'm still fingers crossed for us to take a wide receiver in the draft. And then, of course, we have the best tight end duo in the game. That hurt to see. That really hurt. I mean, I second best. I think Brady has the best tight end trio. Oh, I want Bray, Howard, and Gronk. Gronk. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, that's – I can that's, see that's, that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's – they're in the top five. Yeah. And also, I mean, I say – like we get our holdouts back on defense, assuming we don't trade Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, why? Why would y'all want to trade Gilmore? Is it just because he's past his prime, or get what y'all can't? I think for? that was. I think the only scenario that was in was in a trade up in our draft in the first draft scenario. Now that we're past the first round and we've we've got our quarterback, I don't. I think he's probably off the market. Outside of Bill Belichick trying to pull some miracle for Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Speaking of trades, I heard that the 49ers plan for Garoppolo now is just to hold on to him until someone gets injured and yeah, give it a second round pick for him. And that's not a bad a bad idea. No, because yeah, I mean you probably can't get a second for him in that situation. Yeah, no, I didn't see him going back to New England, which I saw a bunch of people like, talking about that, but I just there's no way I would have saw that happening. Like, imagine Wins goes down for the Colts, and the Colts are, what, five and one? You'd probably take Garoppolo, something like that. I saw somewhere where um, yeah, the, the Texans were atop of the list for Garoppolo's destination. I don't see that happening either. Yeah. I'm just – I've been back. a I feel big like I believer in – I've been a big believer in, like, when you draft a quarterback, especially a first, when you put put a first-round draft pick into a quarterback, let him sit. I mean, I think that history kind of shows those quarterbacks who get a year, two years to, like, mature behind a veteran quarterback, they, they prosper. You, like, most of the guys you see that, bust or just kind of wash out of the league after three or four years those are the guys that get drafted and are immediately expected to start right away and like like i mean uh, look at every young uh every young quarterback in the game right now did not start right away other than no no, herbert didn't even start right away Uh, baker mayfield didn't he he what had like three or four games to sit at least before he had to come in. I mean, I'm talking like, I'm talking like half season minimum, like half season oh, yeah. to a full season to Almost just injured. mature, learn the NFL. Because, like, I mean, even Baker Mayfield, he was like one of the ones that I was going to use as an example of like, yeah, he he sat for a few games, but he gets thrown into the mix pretty quick. And I mean, he's not bad. He's top top half of the league. I wouldn't say he's top ten. No. A good example for that would probably be like Ryan Tannehill, who was not cutting it with the Dolphins, but he went somewhere else and sat a little for the Titans and came in when he got his chance. Right. Was just heads and what head and shoulders better than Mariota. Not like with Mariota. And like, yeah. I mean, 
Pat Mahomes sat for a year. Mm-hmm. Lamar Smith Jackson sat for, a sat for year. Uh, Lamar Almost Jackson. A he didn't sit for a full year. He, he sat for like the first for twelve games. The first ten games. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you're all. Oh yeah, you're always going to have a learning curve, and getting to take that learning curve as a backup. I think, like, I think we've seen that that's extremely valuable versus having to take that learning curve in the spotlight with everyone watching. That's why I think, that's why I think Washington needs to pick one of Mon or Trask because Fitzpatrick is. I think they go Trask. I just think Trask is like a kind of a deviation from their past picks. I mean, you look at like their past quarterback picks, Trask kind of would be a step like in a different direction. And I think, I just think you got to try something new. Yeah. I mean, what RG3 and Haskins are both mobile quarterbacks that kind of go somewhere else. Right. You're looking at like athletic, like playmaker type quarterbacks who maybe have like a somewhat unpolished skills. Whereas Trask is more of your like Mac Jones type pocket, mm-hmm. like kind of, game game planning quarterback and and especially now with washington like actually developing the rest of their offense and getting some pieces in place i think i think trask is the way to go if you're washington oh yeah and one thing i got to say about trask is i mean the gators defense was awful last year but when the offense was clicking when everyone was healthy because pitts missed a lot like four games last year i mean that offense resembled LSU's Joe Burrow's offense where Trask was hitting Kevin Looney and Kyle Pitts with beautiful passes on the money nonstop, but it would, they lost games because of the defense, not because of the offense. So I, I could see Trask with the also, right weapons thriving. Sidebar, uh, Chargers got your Asante Samuel. Was... Yeah, I'm looking I've, at the stats. I've, I've been waiting to say this. I don't Sorry, I've been waiting to see the talk about Asante Samuel Jr. was taken by the Chargers. I'm looking at the stats. I think the Cowboys wanted a bigger corner because uh, I think Trayvon Diggs is a little bit of an undersized corner, and it looks like Kelvin Joseph is six one and Asante Samuel's five ten. So mm-hmm. maybe we just wanted some height on our defense. Also, I'm gonna like sneak sneak preview my one of my highs and lows for this week. Uh, Bengals finally get their lineman jackson is it jackson carmen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. jackson carmen pass it, passing on Pene sewell and you get you give burrow jackson carmen so, so i mean Carmen's I, I have much more to say about this no he's not bad but i mean i don't think anybody's saying he's Pene sewell no, yeah. One thing that, I read about Pene Sewell, why they passed on him is because I, I could I could have it switched up. I think Pene Sewell is a right tackle, and they have a right tackle. Exactly. And so they didn't. No, they didn't know, you want to go through this switch from right tackle to left tackle. Yeah. I, yeah whatever. Like I said I got a lot more to say about this come highs and lows. I mean, I will say when the Cowboys were building their offensive line for like three, four years in a row, and everyone was pissed while we were taking them, we took. We took a tackle and made him into our center and Travis Frederick. Uh, I don't think Zach Martin. I mean, he moves all over the place 
now, but I don't think what we drafted him as is what he played that year. So if, if he is a ass. good player, Zach Martin. Yeah, his bro- Nick Martin, his brother. I know he had a brother. But... Yes, yeah, so he, was, he was with the Texans center for like four years. He's O'Brien. Oh, that's right. See, right now, I would – the Cowboys have three. We have three third-round picks. Trade them all. Jump in right now and take oh, – what's this? There, there's one offensive lineman I want who's still on the board. Uh, trade all three third-round picks? Oh, yeah. For Tevin – or Tevin Jenkins got picked, didn't he? Yeah, he went to um, the Bears. Oh, Bears. Dang, I was thinking he was still there because I saw the Jaguars got Walker Little. Yeah, if Tevin Jenkins is still on the board, I'd be perfectly fine with the Cowboys trading all three of their thirds right now for him. See, well, oh, wait, never mind. Y'all got your cornerback. That's right. Um, there's one last bit of NFL news. Aside from the draft that we have not gotten into yet, and that is the medium to high likelihood that Tim Tebow is the next tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This man wants to play everything but quarterback. You know, I I mean, tell, tell me it doesn't work. I mean, it'd be fun to watch. I'm not going to lie. I mean, okay. Just like everyone was telling, just like everyone was trying to get Lamar Jackson to work out as running back a couple years ago at the combine when Tebow declared, everyone wanted him trying out the tight end positions. And after the Broncos let him go, everyone wanted him trying out the tight end positions. He's he's got the build and the athleticism for it. And I think he even caught it. I think he caught a touchdown as a tight end in the Patriots preseason. Don't quote me on that, but I feel like I remember something like that. Maybe it was the Jets, because I know the Jets had him, too. But why leave baseball for that? I guess because he wasn't going anywhere in baseball. He, he yeah, he, 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 was, he was stuck in the minors. But, I mean, like... I mean, good for him. It, it, wrong, but, I mean, I'd watch it. I'd love to see how it pans out. I mean, okay, and, so I'm going to read y'all something. Oh, and just tell me... Like I said, tell me it doesn't work. I'm sure we know this. Jordan Aikens... Pharaoh Brown, motherfucker, Bert, Jeff Swaim, uh, I don't know the first name here, but Fersker, Jack Doyle, and Mo Alley Cox. Why are you naming all the? You named all the tight ends in the in the. These are the division. tight ends in the AFC South. Tell me that Tim Tebow does not automatically become one of the most athletic tight ends in the division. Now, oh. have you actually watched Aikens play? No. He, he, he plays the tight end position like a wide receiver. He's, he's been really good with John Watson. I don't know if he can build a connection like that with Tyrod Taylor. but So are you saying he's more athletic than Tim Tebow? I did not say that. I'm just saying it, Aikens isn't like a uh, – That's what player. I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, I got I'm you. not saying any of them are bad. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah. saying any of them are bad. I'm just saying, I'm not going to sit here and vouch for Tim Tebow's skills as a tight end. I'm just saying, in a tight end poor division, Tim Tebow's not your worst option. I mean, if you think about it, I'm looking it up right now. 
the Cowboys tight ends are Blake Derwin and Dalton Schultz. I'd take Tebow on a risk. Because, I mean, Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz aren't anything special. Jarwin got, like, good playing time last year. Mm -hmm. How different are Tim Tebow and Blake Jarwin? Not very much. That's what I'm saying. Tim Tebow also gives you – he he gives your offense options, too, because you have him on the field. He could – Wildcat comes into question, more trick plays. I think – you know, honestly – with Kellen Moore and his stupid-ass playbook, the Cowboys need to sign him because he's always running some stupid fucking wildcat shit. Tim Tebow, it's not like he's going to come in there and want $9 million to play tight end. No. You're going to sign him. No, I can see him going for the minimum. You're going to sign him for, I would. I think he, he caps out at a million and a half for a one-year oh, yeah. like trial deal. You, you take that. And just to have Tim Tebow on your team, I mean – the Jags front office is building narratives. They're just stacking up narratives right now. But you sign Urban Meyer as your coach. That's a headline. Obviously, you got Trevor Lawrence. Then you turn around, reject all of your roster needs to sign Trevor Lawrence's best friend in Etienne. And now you're gonna you're gonna sign Tim Tebow so that you can put that all over ESPN. I, I think that happens. ETN- and do you know big. do you know who coached Tim Tebow in college? Urban Meyer. And it makes sense. And Tim Tebow absolutely thrived under Urban Meyer too. Mm-hmm. I would love to watch it. I mean, Jacksonville is going to be a team to watch in the 2021 season for sure. And this is actually something I didn't think about before, but now talking about it, um, you get to fill a roster spot that, like, not at quarterback is able to mentor your rookie quarterback. You could probably trade Minshew. You could probably trade Minshew and have Tebow as your back. I mean, you don't want to plan. You don't want to plan for Lawrence going down. If Lawrence goes down, who cares if you have Minshew or Tebow? I mean, I think if you're writing your – You can keep – Tebow as your backup. You're really rolling the dice with him at playing tight end and being backup. I think you have a greater risk of Tebow at tight end getting injured. I I know, but I'm yeah, like I would say just keep two backup or keep one backup, whether it's uh, Minshew or someone else, and then let your third option, if it has to be that way, Tebow. Say somehow Lawrence his, and I, Minshew both just, go down. I just think his value as an athletic tight end and a locker room guy for Trevor Lawrence is extremely valuable, and he already has that connection with Urban Meyer. I definitely think this happens. He's going to be leading the prayer circles? Oh, yeah. Bible studies in Jacksonville. The Do you see, te- see Tebow getting down and blocking? Oh, yeah. I think he can. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think might... he's in the weight room right now. I think he's eating 4,000 calories a day. I think he shows up to training camp rocking, like, 250. I mean, he's, he's that type of guy, like. There's no ego involved with Tebow. No. He's a team first player, you can tell. He's always been. But right. And that's why I said, like, I think I think he's an athletic guy who will develop his blocking to be good enough. Yeah. Cause he's never he's never had the block. Right. That's what I don't 
don't think nobody. I don't think you signed Tebow to be a blocking tight end that you're putting down in a three point stance on the line. Like you, you're expecting him to play out in the slot and four wide, five wide sets, and maybe block if he has to. So a little transition here, and this will transition into the next topic, kind of. But I had the Packers taking this guy in the first round. I had, a, I had a few more receivers going first round, but Rondell Moore just got signed or drafted by the Cardinals. I and saw that. That's why I had the Packers taking. He, I, I looked up some tape on him. He looked like he was a good value. Uh, just had some health issues, but. Speaking of Packers, I don't know. I mean, weapons are starting to. I don't know how many people are left. Rogers, all the big names. I mean, there's my Rogers guy. Career. My guy is still on the board. I'm hesitant to say anything because my Patriots went defense in the second round. Tylen Wallace is still on the board, and you want to talk of value picks. The fact that he wasn't ranked in as high, like, right? The fact that he was ranked so low by everyone, I'm telling you, if, if someone gets Tylen Walsh with a third round pick, that's an absolute steal. I can see him going number 67. I, I doubt, I doubt the Texans go offense. I mean, we've we've got all our defense through the draft. We need a wide receiver right now. That's priority with Will Fuller leaving. God, I forgot about that. Y'all have nothing on I mean, Our number one is Brandon Cooks. Behind him is Cobbs. Cooks is good with speed. Don't get me wrong. He's not washed. He just got to stay healthy. But, but Brandon Cooks and Cobb play the same position. No, Cobb is a slot. Exactly. We need a true number two. Yeah. Not a slot. Isn't Cooks? No, Cooks isn't a slot. No, Cooks is a wide. He's a wide out. And behind Cobb is QT. I mean, we have Chris Conley too, but I mean, I mean, you have one pick in three rounds, and you're in an absolute QB crisis, and you think you go wide receiver? Yes. <sighs> I just, I don't, I don't. I mean, I would love to see him get Kellen Mond, but I don't see them getting a quarterback this year. See, I think get either if, if they were planning on Mond, y'all would have traded Watson by now and gotten exactly second first round pick or something like that. But you also have to think about the fact that we've seen it in the trade market. Self awareness in the Houston Texans front office is at an all time low. Oh yeah. That's very true. And they you can say they should have traded Watson by now, and I agree with you. But I don't think that changes their asking price. And their asking price has been astronomically high. Yeah, three first-round uh, picks, three two second-round picks, and a defensive starter. Yeah, and like I said, I don't think I don't think their draft plans come into play with that that much. It's like they they're trying to milk this quarterback they've got on their hands for everything they can, regardless. The ideal situation would have been to trade him to the Jets because that would have took away all their assets and they would have still been trying to build a team that's nothing. 
So they would have got the most return for the Jets because they would have the three first round picks would have been higher picks. Did the Jets Just, offer three first round picks? Supposedly the uh, the front runners were New York, Miami, and the Niners were in it, and the Eagles were in it, and the but, Panthers. Yeah, the Panthers. Well, uh, Niners backed out. Jets backed out. I think all that's left now is Miami and Eagles are the two teams that are still interested. And I doubt Miami would want to anyway, because this would have been the year. They could have just dumped all the picks they had this year on y'all. And... Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I don't see I don't see Watson accepting a trade to Philly. Because you gotta keep in mind Watson has a no trade offer or a no trade clause. Oh yeah, he, he can pick where he goes. So it's just it's a sit and wait situation and it's been it's, I, I kind of rel- compare this to the James Harden situation. I'm to the point now to where I'm like, all right, just it's whatever. Cut ties. Just, just numb to it. Yeah, I'm numb to it. And it won't feel real again until it's actually done. Yeah. That, that is a gorgeous transition into NBA talk. So we've got a few bits of news on the NBA side. Um, None of them I'm super interested in, so I'll let y'all kind of take the lead on that. One of the biggest headlines I saw in this past week was that a bar in Ohio said they will no longer play NBA games in their establishment until LeBron is kicked out of the league. That is absolutely stupid. See, I am snoozing on this. Yeah, I, I... It's sad that that's one of the biggest stories right now, and it really is. I mean, I it's, it. NBA is so dry, and it's sad that it's so dry because playoffs are right, right around the corner. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Everybody's just focusing on how tight the race is versus there's no big news coming out. If there's news, it's somebody sitting or somebody resting. I'm oh, going to yeah. tell you something, and I have I haven't had a sports take that I am this confident in in years. You can have my life savings – you can have the keys to my car. When I tell you that I can say without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, this bar owner voted for Donald Trump. See, safest bet in sports history. And let me tell you right now, I could give a rat's ass if you air NBA games or not. Who's going it's... to a bar just to watch NBA? Is that the NFL? It's a billion dollar industry. Yeah. I, I don't I don't get the people who boycott NBA or NFL over kneeling or political opinions. It's just the the few people that that the few people that get butthurt by that isn't affecting them. They don't care. Yeah, that's so just a fraction. You can go. It's a fraction of the- well, that's what I'm saying. Like I've never heard of this. Actually, watch. I'm not in Cleveland. Like, what is? It? Is this like the bar in Ohio to watch NBA games at? I, I, like, I, I mean, I don't even think is, they they named the bar. I think like, they only. I think they made it a big deal because LeBron's from Ohio, and they're like, oh well, this yeah. Ohio bar from your home state. Once you also, I think that's the only reason why it was led up to a big deal. Also, does, does does a bar in Ohio even get Lakers games? I can't hardly watch St. Louis Cardinals games, and I'm in Oklahoma. So, like, 
I just don't care, dude. Like, no. this means nothing to me. No. The funny thing is, LeBron is even playing right now. So it just it comes out of nowhere, too. It doesn't what matter. I like, this... What I, go ahead. This mom and pop, this, like, small-time bar owner saw a window of opportunity to put himself on the national stage. And props to him, he took it, and he capitalized I, on it. You want to know how concerned LeBron was about it? You want to know his response? LeBron, all he said was, oh, damn, I was heading there to watch our game tonight and have a drink. He don't yeah, care. I mean, He's a millionaire. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, I mean, just, the, I, I'd say things. probably it's, – it's probably most likely – uh, they, they probably got some customers out of it. You probably got LeBron oh, yeah. haters from the first time he left Miami. We're like, still, you know, fuck LeBron. And you got, you got, you got, you got MAGA people. It, you got, I mean, you got probably every MAGA customer from the surrounding states. That's the oh, yeah. thing, though, is like in this day and age with media. Like I hope I hope you're happy with your decision because you There's are no going a back. MAGA bar with motorcycles parked out front for the rest of your days. Mm-hmm. Like I hope I hope that's the clientele you were shooting for because that's who you are now, and you I you better just roll with it. Are we a MAGA podcast still, or did that stance change? No, no, we we are an open-minded podcast. I stand by that. Are we moderate? We're, we're moderate, yeah. We we okay, take we, we take shit into account. We're not left. We're not right. As long as you don't piss anybody off. Yeah. With that being said, Wiz, you pissed off a lot of people last night. I, I pissed off a lot of people. It it reached it reached sides of OKC Twitter that. I didn't I know, know it existed. Either. And because every size of Rockets OKC. Twitter. Like, I'm in I, OKC and my tweets don't reach OKC. No. Our Twitter account has 28 followers. 30. How did this happen? 30. I think 30, we have 30, 30 now. And, and let, me, let me see how many impressions this tweet got. because First of all, I, read the tweet. Read the tweet okay. first of all. The, the, tweet, <laughs> the tweet is oh as basic God. as you can get to. Oh, my God. Why am I having trouble finding it? There was like 50. You shouldn't. It should be like the most popular thing on our page. Oh, I was on, I was on the wrong account. That's I was happy that I had the most popular response and then here you go taking my shine. I know. I'm so, surprised Wiz didn't pin it to the account. I should. You, you no, just gave okay. me the idea too. No, no. I got to keep the episode pinned. But I tweeted. And it was because Kevin Porter Jr. had a 50-point game, 11 assists, 11 assists, like six rebounds. And just a joke. We take a break from the NFL draft to remind you, KPJ greater than SGA. That's it. That's it. I put my phone down. I pick it back up, and there are, like, five comments from pissed-off OKC fans. And right. Ratio so, here, I mean, ratio there. Disrespect. And Number so, one, can somebody explain what the hell a ratio is? It All it means is that Someone said ratio or some stupid shit on your tweet, and their stupid shit got more likes than yeah. your actual post. It's stupid. So all ratio is is about what the yeah. likes per post. So so someone with six thousand followers who's an OKC fan 
comments under our 30 follower below 500 account it says ratio of course you're gonna get more than our five likes we have 30 followers but well it doesn't this, help that, okay. that tweet was garbage it, it, but it, it was, was funny. that must have been you must have chose like the prime time was a thunder playing yesterday yeah i think so but yeah, that, that must have been why by the people stuff. people must have been tweeting out or searching sga to see if he's going to play anytime soon that's probably why oh yeah well but, and i will say as being a part of it the thunder twitter community is active oh i i even yeah. i had to say i had to say under it I, I, I tweeted that the thunder fans are loyal holy shit look Toast. how active they've, they're Dude. active because they've had content since katie left to go to golden state oh yeah they've had content but every year oh this dude, tweet. we were selling out games like our second year before we ever even made the playoffs we were like selling out entire seasons Kudos to OKC for having a passionate fan base, but shit, it's a tweet. Why are we, this why, is. Why are we a big market? This tweet had 5,900 impressions, which for a 30-follower account, it just reaching the eyes of that many people is insane, even though it's got like 10 likes. But later on in the night, while the OKC fans are still talking shit on the posts, I see a Rockets Twitter account uh, quote my tweet on a thread. The thread was saying, I guess we got or some I gotta find that real quick. I should have had that ready. But someone mentioned you in another discussion. I actually saw that. Yes. Um, it was on like Thunder or was it Thunder Twitter or Rockets? Twitter? No, no, it was Rockets Twitter. So someone said so a Rockets fan said, So I see we got beef with Thunder fans. And then someone responded, one person said KPJ greater than SGA, and they all got butt hurt. And he asked him to link the tweet. <laughs> it was ours. So it's like it, it I, I I was looking around and I saw other I saw OKC fan accounts just tweeting the opposite pictures of pictures of uh SGA greater than Kevin Porter Jr. and stuff like that. And then Rockets accounts doing the same thing. I'm like, it was just a joke. You know, it, my, it seemed funny. My favorite thing about all this is that we're a Rockets, Rockets. and Thunder fan podcast. I, I know. How are you going to pick our own fans to go against each other? And I, I even said that at some point. I was just poking fun at Gooch. I don't. They probably don't even know who Gooch is, though. Yeah, probably don't. We got thirty <laughs> but, followers. They're not one of them. I know, but that, that's why I did it. If, if if Gooch wasn't an OKC fan, I would have picked someone else. When you start tweeting some OKC content, if they're that active, maybe they can give us a follow back. I I, I thought. I, I swore I was like, are these some like of Gucci's friends he's got following us? Is that hey, our I 30 followers? Clicking. I kept like, clicking to see if they're uh, Gucci's following them and said nothing. I'm like, oh. no, I was all I was all in the NFL draft last night. I didn't even know about the tweet until I just started getting notifications. Yeah, because you used to you used to talk about having to carry yeah, the Twitter I, account or something. So I started helping out tweeting on there and everything I got things are popping off. I'm like, what do we say? And I went and read Twiz's dumbass tweet. Yeah, so I mean, OKC and OKC and Houston have had beef for a while now. Oh yeah, so, like and the the Westbrook Harden MVP, um, knocking you out yeah, of the playoffs. I, I definitely don't think this is the last time our Twitter account beefs with either fan base. No, I w- so but I will say, the- I, I I will say. If we have any Rockets followers in the future, they'll get pissed off. The Rockets fan base is flaky. 
Mm-hmm. I I get pissed off. Like we're we're shit this year. I'm still a fan. I don't watch most of the games, but like people who do watch the games who just like hate the team. Like, I don't know. It it, it bugs me. Yeah. Let, let, let get, let's get into some of our, our I mean, personal oh, yeah. beef with this. Let me take a break real quick and just say the Titans got a steal for the offensive or the their pick. They got Dylan Ravens from North Dakota State, first round grade. He slid all the way to the end of the second round. Oh. The Browns got a steal of a linebacker, too. Oh, yeah. He was also first round grade. I might have got an attempt to. To say that Ooh. name. Yeah, oh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora. Koromora? I don't see an R at the end of that. But, roll on the dice. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, you know, the Steelers. I could see them taking a QB right here. I would not be shocked. I mean, do they? Who's their backup right now? I mean, they've no. got three. Is it still they've got they've still got Hodges behind him though. Oh, didn't didn't they sign uh, Haskins? Who signed yeah, Haskins? They did. I forgot all about I, that. They're, I they're thought chilling. they still had that Hodges kid. Duck Hodges. Yeah, I thought. Oh shit! Let's look it up. I'm looking. Uh, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, he's on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Damn. Okay, maybe, maybe they do. Maybe maybe they do pass up on a quarterback just at the chance to develop Dwayne Haskins. I mean, so they, have, they have like three or four viable quarterbacks. Mason Rudolph is not a viable quarterback. He's a chill, chill, he's, chill. He, he's a racist. He's a racist. That, y'all gonna get me started? We're gonna be MAGA podcast again. I I, I, I don't think now, he said it. <laughs> Was completely debunked. Anyways, anyways, all right. We're going to get it back into our uh, NBA awards debate again. Because this week we actually have a full rundown of our awards predictions for the NBA. Since we've got got about three weeks left in the regular season. Yeah, like two or three weeks. I think, I think. I think two weeks. Two, two weeks. Uh, Two. Playoffs start. There's two left in fantasy. May 22nd. Yeah, they, they have the um, the regular season stops on like May 14th or 16th. Okay. okay. So it's like two weekends from now is the last okay. weekend. But yeah. they have to play so, in after. All right, so we're just going to kind of run down um, MVP. We said on the last podcast, uh, me and Hunter both have Jokic. I'm holding firm on that. I think, I mean, barring, I, I don't know how bad you can collapse in two weeks, but I think as long as he just stays consistent for the next two weeks, he's got it. He's the best player on one of the best teams. I, th- I think he's holding on to it. And I, th- I think it's a little biased, but I, I picked Embiid. I'm, I'm on his hype train. I've been on his hype train. Uh, and just – I, I think I think Jokic's numbers are obviously better, other than points, but it can go either way. Yeah, I mean they're both, no matter either one, they're both valuable respectively to their teams. Oh yeah, they I think neither team would be 
where they are now without you. Exactly. If if it wasn't for Embiid's injuries this year, I right. think he'd be a shoe in. And I can understand why Jokic is probably going to win it because of that. The only person I'd roll my eyes on if they won MVP would be Giannis, which I don't see that, or Steph. I'd roll my eyes on both of them. See, okay. I was about to say, I, I thought you were going Steph, and I feel the exact same way. The, the only reason Steph is listed in any MVP races is purely media. The media alone has somehow injected Curry into the MVP race, and I just – I don't get it. There's It's because MVP is a media-driven award. Exactly. But, but yeah, I mean, there's just really not much to say with the MVP race. You've got you've got a couple guys. Um, poor poor Damian Lillard. Like, oh, I think man. Damian Lillard has been deserving of the award a few, like more than a couple times. But he, he's, he's kind of like in that. He's in such situation. a bad situation. Like, yeah, he's just like, not in a good situation in Portland. And he's just never going to get the love from NBA fans or the media as long as he's in Portland to drive him to an MVP award. It's sad because he deserves it, even though I want to hate him so much ever since he knocked Houston out of the playoffs with that dagger of a three. I've tried to hate the same him, but I can't because he's just so, a dog. Yeah. What seed he's just was a dog. OKC? You can't hate him with all the effort he puts in. What seed was OKC whenever Westbrook won his MVP? Uh, seven or eight. See, that's what I thought. It it took it took a but first triple double year, right? In, and the in thing forever with that, that season was we were not a playoff team. We had, and I mean, you saw it uh, in the first round against the Rockets. We had no business in the playoffs that year. Westbrook absolutely drugged that team to the playoffs. Oh yeah, I, I will say. Come come the end of the season, the Rockets were obviously better than Thunder, but preseason rankings, player rankings, every other player in OKC starting lineup were higher ranking than every other player in the Rockets starting lineup. I will say yeah, that's preseason. preseason. Like if you, uh, you look, you look at how that season unfolded. That oh, team, yeah. we we built that whole team around Durant. Like that team oh, yeah. was built to facilitate everything that KD does. So then without him. I mean that team. That team was not built to stand on its own. No. And Russell Westbrook took them to the playoffs out of just sheer spite. But anyways, that, let's let's get into like a little bit more of the interesting topics. Um, yes. Go over y'all's defensive player of the year picks. Okay. So I so picked Simmons. My pick. Okay. All right. Uh, I I, I picked Simmons just because. He's made some good points. He he's a point guard, but he, he he defends all five positions. He defends centers. He defends guards, forwards, everything, and he's still top. I, I don't know exactly. I haven't looked up defensive stats, but I know just from the media, he's in the top defensive stat categories. And I don't know. I feel like maybe he deserves the nod just just for that. Uh, Still, I think I think I'm buying a lot into the 76ers hype this year. I'm on their bandwagon for the playoffs, but I don't know. All right, Hunter, go ahead with yours. All right, because I feel like Gobert's gonna win. 
But that's not who I want to pick. I want to pick Miles Turner because he's been outstanding on the defensive end of the ball this year. He's averaging a league-high three-and-a-half blocks per game. But the only reason I feel like he might not get it is because he has not been able to stay healthy throughout the whole season. He's changed Indiana versus whenever he's out or on the court. Defensively, he's been obvious. His presence is felt by everyone. The only downside to Miles Turner, which is just a play into the award, is that he's very inconsistent offensively. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I said, yeah, I don't think that comes into play. Um, I definitely no, I, want I, it. I was, yeah, I was just saying a little tidbit on that. That was well, only only downside to Miles Turner to me. One more thing I'll say about Simmons is he nine times out of ten he's guarding the best scorer on the other team. So I wouldn't say for out, but I mean, I I, I fully believe. I think Gobert gets it again. I mean, yeah, it's. You kind of run into the same kind of logic you have with Giannis in the MVP award of like how many times are they going to give it to this guy? Um, but I, I think you make you can make every argument for Gobert here. Um, he won it two years in a row, and then Giannis won it last year. And if you look at the numbers, Gobert is actually um, averaging more rebounds per game um, this year than he did in both of his two uh both of his two winning years previously um and not to mention um he's obviously inarguably the best defensive player on the best team in the league and he's the cornerstone of a top five defense in the nba and like i said he's He's the guy. I mean, he is who you think of when you think of a defense in the NBA. And he's having a career year on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I think he's like the obvious choice. And I just don't see how the award goes to anybody but him. Yeah, I've, I've seen something that was kind of piqued my interest because I've been seeing a bunch of players come out and say after they have their best game of the season or a really good game, they say it's because they knew Gobert was going to guard them. Which I think what they're saying is is that Gobert, he's a great defender of the paint, but as defending a certain player, I don't know if he has that exact ability to be doing it. And that's the Simmons argument. Like he says, he says when you break it down and look at who's defending who, he kind of gets the nod there. But overall, stat wise and on paper, I think Gobert. Is obvious. Yeah, he, he can guard the paint like nobody else. Oh yeah. But whenever you ask him to just guard one single person, that's where he that's where you can see his flaws. Which yeah, I mean I get what you're saying, but like he's a sinner. Like yeah. it's not like yeah. The, yeah. the Jazz aren't the Jazz aren't paying Rudy Gobert to like defend the perimeter or get through screens or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They are paying Rudy Gobert to defend the paint. That's it, yeah. hands yeah. down. Which I understand that. Like, I can definitely – I uh, see Gobert winning I'm, the I'm trying to get to his stats. If, if Gobert ends up on if, – if the defense breaks down and hands up on the wrong guy, that's not his fault either. Because they're not drawing it up for him to end up on a guard or small forward. 
I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so this is what I was looking at. Um, he's, like I said, he's averaging more total rebounds per game than he did in both of his in the two seasons that he won the Defensive Player of the Year award rebounds per game. This year he's averaging 10. And he's also averaging 2.8 blocks per game, which is more than he's averaged in any of his award-winning games. So for me, if you look at his history with the Defensive Player of the Year award, it's a no-brainer for him this year. If he deserved it in the two years prior, he deserves it even more okay. this year. So here's a little here's a little comparison to throw into that. Harden won his first MVP. And then the year after, when Giannis won, Harden was better in every single statistic. And the Rockets were still second or third overall. And Giannis blew him out. So, I don't know. Definitely, yeah, I think. Def- I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I just think, like, when you paint the entire picture, when you bring into the fact that Utah itself has a top five defense in the league. If you strictly look at opposing points per game, Gobert is the heart and soul of that defense. And, and I mean, he's clearly a, at the very least a top three defender in the league. And he is the entire core of one of the best defenses in the league. I just, I you think know, it's obvious. And it, if I were to vouch for, if I were to vouch, for Gobert over Simmons, I'd say the 76ers have been fine in games Ben Simmons has missed. But if Gobert, Gobert was out for an extended time, I think <laughs> if, if Gobert was out for an extended period of time, I think that team would fall apart. So, okay. If, 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 we're, look, if we're looking at it as a most – if we're looking at the most valuable defensive player of the year, I think, yeah, go bear. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on yeah. to the rookie um, of the year. That kind of like his relationship with – yep. I'll go ahead and go first on this one. Um, two months ago, a month ago, this wouldn't have been a hot take. I'm riding with LaMelo Ball as the rookie of the year. I understand he's been injured. I understand he's missed a significant amount of time. And in that time, a ton of players have really tried to close that gap on him. But I think if you look at his body of work and the time that he was healthy, before he got injured, there was nobody out there that would have argued with me that he was the rookie of the year. And then when you tack onto it, the fact that there is still a chance for him to make it back in time to have a playoff push and even play in the Hornets play-in game, assuming they stay at the 10th spot. I, I, think, I think – Oh, sorry. I was, I, I, I was going to say, I think he's so valuable to that Hornets team. And even though he doesn't have a full season to judge him off of, what we have seen of him, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to find a rookie – that has done better in their time on the floor and has meant more to their team than LaMelo Ball has. So I'm actually going to ride with you 
on the middle ball, thinking about that out too, especially if he does come back and helps him down the stretch at the end here and secure as a play-in spot. Does the play-in – do those games count towards MVP voting? I would imagine yes. not. Um, no. Because, like, like, if you said – like you said, the regular season ends on the 14th. The playoffs don't start until the 22nd. I'm assuming they're counting the play-in games as the playoffs. So, okay. I would imagine that consideration is the regular say, season. I mean, even if he comes back, helps him win a couple games, secure as a play-in spot. That, that would solidify him. but And even if, at, even if he comes back and it's not like a big playoff push type deal, um, if he just plays the same way he was, if he just doesn't show a significant fall off after he comes back, assuming he comes back in the regular season, I, I think that solidifies the award for him. But uh, a shameless plug here as a Rockets fan, I will say – I, I think without a doubt, the third best rookie this year is Jay Sean Tate. He's he's not even on. Like I'm looking at rookie NBA ratings rankings by future potential. He's not even in the top five. And he's getting he's got rookie numbers comparable to LeBron. He's getting comparisons to people like Draymond Green and Paul George. And he was an undrafted rookie and has been thrown onto the worst team and told to he, he, he's an undersized power forward playing next to an undersized center and he's our best defender. I mean, he's, he's done everything you can ask of him and more. So I don't know. I'm not saying he's rookie of the year, but while we're talking about rookies, I thought I would hype up Jay Sean Tate. See, I saw you type in Tate, so I knew there was going to be some kind of bias in there. I thought you were going to pick him as your top pick. See, I, I, I was going to – I was, but I couldn't think of a way to spend yeah. that. So, no. But I, I would say, like, if you're telling me he's not better than he, – his season hasn't been better than, like, Hallie Burton, I think you're – I think you're wrong. I mean, yeah. I, I saw this in the notes, and I'm just letting him whiz have his little moment to – Hype up his Rockets before they finish with the worst record in the NBA. And, and may, the Rockets have fallen behind too. Like we're like four or five games behind the Timberwolves now. Timberwolves have a risk of falling out of out of the bottom three. And with OKC, are y'all y'all are in a tie with them? I think now. Uh, I looked at it today. I can't remember. I know we are sliding. Yeah, y'all could y'all could end up with one and five. Think about that. That would be phenomenal. Run, run a tankathon real quick. Sim lottery. OKC one. OKC one. Rockets five in the first. The first lottery sim. We're a game and a half ahead of the Timberwolves. I I have to say. I don't know. The Rockets are obviously tanking this year. But I hate the lottery system. I I don't think I it prevents it. I don't think it prevents taking tanking. And for teams like the Rockets, who will probably only be like next year, even if we're terrible, we'll be middle of the pack, five games out of playoffs, something like that. But we're not gonna be bottom of the barrel again. And mm-hmm. we we don't deserve to have to give up our pick to OKC 
because we only have a 33% chance at first. Just yeah. Hey, I'm just saying all I'm I'm ready for Cade Cunningham and OKC. That's all I'm gonna say. God. Well, back to the original topic at hand, my pick of the rookie of the year. It really hinged on not knowing whether because I feel like Ball would win it. He'd hands down win the award if he never got hurt. I don't know how much his injury is going to factor into the pick. So I went with the second best option, which is Anthony Edwards. He's shown to be a, a great rookie in Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota's nothing right now, but he's, he's holding his own. He's still – he shows maturity. He How old is he, like 19 or 19, 20? 19 or 20. Yeah, he's 19 or 20, but he shows he's mature enough to handle the workload of See, being asked to be your scorer. Because who else do they have? Well, D'Angelo Russell was hurt. When he was hurt, you had Rubio throwing out assists, and your main score is Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards and Cat. So – one thing I could say is like, do we value Edwards begin like at the beginning of the year, he was extremely consistent shooting below what he, he was shooting awful, like 40 yeah, below shoot, 40. Yeah, he was, he, well, he was turning it over. He he was he was awful the first 20 games yeah. at least. So do we value those awful 20 games more than LaMelo Ball's missed 20 games? Well, yeah, true. But also, Lamelo started slow too, and really accelerated whenever he became a starter. Same thing with Anthony Edwards. He started off consistently bad, but when he showed a little promise, they had to they had to throw him into the starting lineup because of injuries, and he showed. But I, I don't think Lamelo was ever a detriment to the team. That's true. He 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 just needed more time to get in a rhythm and do better. Yeah. Yeah, but, I think taking it like what Wiz says, like. If you look at the full body of LaMelo Ball's work this season, he doesn't have, like – he had a, a somewhat slow start, but he doesn't have, like, a glaring, like, dark spot like Anthony Edwards has. Or like If you just look at what they did alone, aside from games played or injuries or anything like that, LaMelo Ball had just a brighter overall season than I think I think than Anthony Edwards did. So it'll all just depend on how the voters feel about um, LaMelo Ball. Yeah, LaMelo's going to win it, but if injuries become a factor, then I think Edwards is in line. That's what I'm saying. Like, if the voters decide to really take that injury into account, which I don't really think would be fair to LaMelo Ball, but if that does decide to play, like, a big factor, then – I think that's the only way he doesn't win it. But not not exactly the same, but a good example would be 2019 NBA Rookie of the Year. Luca won that. But the second half of the season, Trey Young, Trey Young was by far better than him the second half of that season. By far. But when you look at Luca consistent across the whole year and Trey Young's subpar first half, you, you don't give it to him. So do you value do you value subpar games over missed games yeah so on to six minutes of the year but before we get that started let's take a live draft break and discuss why in the hell the Steelers picked a tight end in second round so I was actually looking at the tight end market I don't know is that the uh, Penn State yeah apparently he's pretty good he um but yeah, it does seem weird. They went they tight also in. They don't believe in Ebron as their option. 
you know, Ebron, Ebron's, Ebron's a drop else. machine. But, I mean, what, Steelers are trying – their defense is good. We know that. So, maybe they're yeah. trying to do all they can to help, how, help Ben in his last year. I don't year. Ebron have so much success in Indy, but, yeah, when he went to Pittsburgh, his Detroit Lions caught back up to him. I He still had drop issues in, in Indianapolis, but I think – I hate, I hate to hate to hype up the Colts, but that's that's how good Andrew Luck was. Yeah, he that unreal accuracy, unreal touch. No, that it was, wasn't it was, even Luck throwing him touchdown. That was Brissett. No, that was Luck. Uh, Brissett was, was he was he there for two years? I think he was there for two years. One of the years was Luck, and that was his real breakout year before he left. I believe uh, Ebron was there for two years because with uh, Brissett, then Luck. Because it was kind of there for a while, like because Ebron's been. How many teams has Ebron been on? This is his third, and this is third. And it seems like it kind of follows. Like you kind of see the same thing out of Ebron everywhere he goes. He has a real good first year, and then kind of slacks back in his second year, and then he gets moved, and he'll kind of have a resurgence, and then he'll kind of return to mediocrity and I think that's kind of what happened with him with the Colts like he had a year with Andrew Luck looked real good with a real good quarterback and then Brissett took over and he didn't look as good and they moved him and I think yeah. you're gonna I think you're fixing to see the same thing in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. I, anyways, I think we kind of saw that uh, in Pittsburgh two halves of the season but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. back right, to the back. NBA um <laughs> we're on six man six man of the year yeah, I'll take yes. it first this time. So my sixth man of the year, which I feel like it's an obvious choice, is oh, yeah. Clarkson. I, I think we're all in agreement on that. Yeah, yeah there hasn't been a yeah, I'll, I'll, person that's I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that he's – I believe he's the second leading scorer for the Jazz, and he's coming off the bench. Yeah. That's all you need to know. That's insane, that's it's the sixth man is so valuable because whenever your starters are out, you need someone off the bench that will help give you juice. And even if you're start, towards the end of the game, you're going to have your best players in. He's a sixth and, man that would be a starter on any other team. And the the funny thing is, I, I said Clarkson too, but I threw in Ingles' name just because he's the only guy. Like, even if you go online and look it up, he's the only guy even contending with him. And they're on the same team. Yeah, I mean, the, the Rockets had the same yeah. situation. After I they think, got Lou I Williams, it was Eric Gordon and Lou Williams a couple of years ago. That was – Yeah, it, it's Clarkson. I threw Ingles in there for honorable mention, but also just kind of funny. Um, this one I actually feel pretty strongly about, and this one uh, is kind of a little bit of a, something most people won't think about for most improved player. I have Jeremy Grant for the most improved, and I'm gonna go ahead and get it out of the way. My Thunder bias definitely comes into play here. I was a big Jeremy Grant guy when he was in OKC. Uh, it definitely hurt to see him go. Um, he was a, he was a role player for OKC, so I think a big part of his kind of like this stepped up to the next level that he's taken. He's got a bigger role, so he's obviously gonna have better numbers. But if you look at his numbers. And actually run down his stats for this year versus his previous years. It, he looks phenomenal. 
he's averaging 22 points a season. His previous career high was 13. And I'm actually looking at his stats right now because I don't know too much about him. And if you plug in per 36 stats, his that would make his previous average high 60, which still still shows a lot of growth because that's right. last minutes. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's having pretty much, by almost every stat, a career year for himself. Mm-hmm. And I, I know, like, I had to dig pretty deep into different articles and ratings to find his name in the talks for Most Improved. But once I got into the numbers, I think the numbers speak for themselves. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about him for this award, but I think he's as deserving anybody yeah this award was very very hard for me to pick one person because there's quite there's a handful of people that have proved and proved themselves to where they should be wanted by several teams their, their play is great christian wood is somebody my rocket the highest is showing but he was bounced around from, bounced from team to team nobody really gave two thoughts about it but whenever Houston signed him, he ended up being one of the biggest signings by us because he's grown tremendously. I'm sure Wiz has a stats on hand. I really don't. I didn't prepare for that part. But yeah, I'm I'm looking at it. Uh, Christian Wood has become one of the better. He's more naturally a power forward, but he's became one of the better centers in the league. I mean, and before his injury, like around what late mid season, mm-hmm. he. Uh, what, he missed like what five to ten games. Right no, no, he, the middle of the season. Yeah, he, he missed. He missed like twelve games. That's when we went on that twelve game losing streak. So mm-hmm. we were we were like we were eleven and ten when he when he got hurt. So he at, at that point in time in every stat category. And I remember I, I said in the group chat without faces, who would y'all rather have? And everyone, every single person in the group chat picked Christian Wood stats. Over Anthony Davis's stats, mm-hmm. so for for the first half of the season, Christian Wood was better than Anthony Davis in every way imaginable, and yeah. he's playing the center position, and Anthony Davis is playing a power forward position. Exactly. Well, I feel like Christian Wood would even would force even more if he was in his natural power forward position. I, he he's been doing better lately since uh, Olenek came in and started playing some center minutes. Mm-hmm. But I I would love. To, uh, I would love to put some Rockets bias there and put Christian Wood, but if it was not for Julius Randle, I, I would say Christian Wood, but he he's, he's had other good years, but this year he's gotten more efficient in every way. His three has gotten a lot better from his, his previous career high was 34%. Now he's shooting 42% from three, and He's shooting his best regular percentages. Most, or <laughs> I just lost it. Oops. Most points of his career, most assists of his career, most rebounds of his career on a Knicks team that has just completely yeah. evolved this year. Yeah, my reaction to like the Julius Randall take, I get the numbers adding up but my thing is just like you said we've seen him be good before like his number I I get that he's having like he's putting up the best numbers 
pretty much of his career, but we we know he's good. Like it's, I just don't. Th- I think there's other players that have improved more. Like when you look at the rest of their career, of, as opposed to Julius Randle. I I don't know. I would say, I would say honestly, Julius Randle deserves to be in the MVP conversation before someone like Curry. I didn't know where you were going with that sentence at first. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying he's MVP. I'm not saying he's top five MVP. But I'm saying, I think that's how he he's taken a leap. And while guys like Christian Wood and uh, Grant have gone from below average to above average, he's gone from average to a star. I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. Let's I, I think he's the obvious choice. Hit coach of the year and then wrap up NBA. Um, Wiz, you have like, looks like you got like six or seven okay. candidates here. So honestly, okay, I'm, I'm going to just run down this real quick because it's hard to pick because there's so many teams that are kind of rising up or first-year coaches that are making their team better this year than they were last year, like Doc Rivers with the 76ers, their hands uh, – I can't even think of the phrase right now, but their hands down better than the 76ers of last year with Doc Rivers. And Monty Williams, he is – He's the uh, Suns coach. Oh, it was going to help me. I was going to let you struggle. It was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm just blanking right now. It, NBA is not on the top of my head. Um, the, the Suns added Chris Paul, who, of course, is a big reason for his success, but that's also Monty Williams for making it all work. Quinn Snyder, not to be confused with Dan Snyder, Hunter. Um, oh, I <laughs> he... Obviously, as the Jazz all of a sudden as the top team in the league out of nowhere, I don't think anyone saw that coming. And they're they're practically the same team they were last year. I don't I don't see where they improved drastically player wise. Tom Thibodeau, did the Knicks turn around? But personally, just because it's a cool story, I would say my coach of the year is Nate McMillan from the Hawks because. The Hawks were disappointment the first chunk of the season. They fired their head coach and hired Nate McMillan. And since then, they've gone 20 and 9. They're now in play for like the fourth seed, I believe. And which is which is impressive because when you see one through three, the net 76 or the Bucks, no one's catching up with them. But if Nate McMillan was there all year and they're playing the way they're playing under him, mm-hmm. they'd probably be. In that top be, three, they'd be in that conversation. Yeah, so I, I think for the situation he's been in, taking over a team midseason, and dealing with that, I think he deserves Coach of the Year. Yeah, my, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah, if he watches this, he'll. he'll I definitely enjoy that. am not gonna. I'm definitely not gonna argue with you. Um, I think the only thing that kind of hurts him in that situation is exactly what you said, not having a full season. I think it's gonna be hard. I think voters are going to f- have a hard time giving it to someone who didn't coach for for a full season. Yeah. I don't think he's even you in have the so many other deserving coaches. Yeah, right. I get what you're saying. Um, I I said it uh, 
last week, it still stands. My NBA knowledge, especially this year of all years, is pretty limited. Um, so that's why I was pretty surprised whenever I saw Hunter put Dan Snyder, because I did not remember him coaching any NBA games this year. I thought he was uh, thought he was pretty busy with his Marvel and Disney Plus gig that he had going on. But like I said, not an NBA guy, so I was anxious to hear what Hunter had to say about that. Yeah, so Hunter, I was already talking that type of Snyder, and I'm like, oh shit. All right, so no, I stay in then. I typed Snyder, and then just to help myself remember it. I had I put Dan by accident as the first thing popped in my mind. Probably should have double checked that before I typed Dan. But I chose Quinn Snyder, Quinn, Quinn Snyder as my pick, only because I feel like that's who the media is going to choose since they're the best team in the NBA. That's kind of kind of how they decide that. But my heart, Tom Thibodeau turned the Knicks around from nothing into a team where now players want to go play for the Knicks again. Tom Thibodeau helped make the Knicks relevant again. It's been it's been since Melo was a New York Knick since they were relevant. I mean, yeah, right. we're, we're we're a year removed from the Knicks missing out on Katie and Kyrie and not getting Zion. Exactly. And everyone was like, the, the Knicks put all their eggs in one basket and make and missed on everything, and now they're in the thick of the playoffs. When they signed Julian Randle, everybody clowned right. them for that being their top pick from free agency. Oh yeah. And how many times have we heard the media say that the NBA needs the Knicks to be good? I mean, because, like, the NBA is just a better product when the New York Knicks are good. Okay. So I definitely get what you're saying um, with that, Hunter. I had a big sleeper pick that I'm actually pretty confident in once I started digging into it. I have Steve Nash as coach of the year. Hunter's shaking his head at me. I don't get I don't get the doubt behind Steve Nash. Everyone's quick to jump and say it's the players. His roster is so stacked, he doesn't have to do anything. We saw that before not play out that way. Go back to the 2017-2018 era Rockets. That lineup was stacked to the rafters and how, how deep did y'all go in the playoffs that year are you talking about when we lost in seven to the warriors like i said i didn't get that deep into it but mike d'antoni had an embarrassment of riches and a he was first in the western conference and then got an early exit from the playoffs and didn't win coach of the year. No, that, that was the year. That was the year we went to game seven in uh, conference finals. So it wasn't an early exit, mm-hmm. but it was, we, uh, in game seven, we missed 27 straight threes and to D'Antoni's fault to not being able to. Exactly. So do that was else. my, counter argument for Nash is he's kind of the anti D'Antoni in this situation. He's in a similar situation, a roster full of ball players, but that he has so far successfully managed. And are, 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 are had, we aware that 
D'Antoni's an assistant coach on the Nets. I was unaware of that once again. See, uh, but anyway, that, like, that doesn't take away from yeah. what I'm saying. You've had players coming in and out of that organization all year long. You've had injuries. You've had everything an organization could possibly face. And Nash has consistently kept the chemistry and the level of play in Brooklyn extremely high. And so that's my argument for him as coach of the year um, as kind of a sleeper is just that, just his management of everything that's gone on in Brooklyn and his ability to keep them at the top of the standings um, the, um, amongst injuries, new signings, trying to balance Katie, Kyrie, Harden. Uh, I mean, that takes true skill um, as a coach. And you kind of see, saw everyone called him a player's coach for most of his career as kind of he would just show up and kind of let the players hash it out themselves. And that seems to have been working for him this year in Brooklyn. Yeah, your comparison with Mike D'Antoni kind of, I don't know if that's a good, accurate one because D'Antoni brought his own kind of offense. He didn't just let the players play. Mike D'Antoni brought his seven seconds or less offense. Right. It wasn't necessarily a true, like a full organizational comparison. It was just a comparison in Steve Nash's ability to manage the talent on his hands versus Mike D'Antoni's inability to manage his. Oh no, he he was able to manage his because we will. I'm I will stand confident and be blue in the face saying that we would have won the champ. We would have won the finals that year if Chris Paul would have never pulled his hamstring. We were up two games on the Warriors, something an adversity that they have never seen in the playoffs. But that ties exactly into what I said about Steve Nash. The Brooklyn Nets have battled injuries all year long, and Steve Nash has just rolled with it. So. And- Made the best out of it. You know, it's I'm going to have three of the top people in the NBA. Okay. If one's out, you still have two of the top people. To I'm, I'm going to say one thing. It's we know Katie and Harden can be great and carry teams on their own. Well, actually, we don't know Katie. Oh. I, I believe Katie can. He's never had to do it on his own. Harden has. So the alone Harden games, the alone Katie games, I won't give him too much credit for that, but he's had a lot of alone Kyrie games. And you know Kyrie is an issue when it comes to he, – he spoke out about Steve Nash. So that's something Steve Nash has dealt with properly. And I don't know if it's getting too off topic, but still on the same topic. But everyone says LeBron coaches the Lakers, the Cavs, whatever. But the year, the year he joined the Lakers and they missed the playoffs, everyone blamed um, Luke Walton. No one blamed no one blamed uh, LeBron. So, is is Katie, Kyrie, and Harden responsible for the net, the Nets' play style success, or is it Nash? Uh, I mean, I get what you're saying, and that's the standard argument against Nash in this situation is that he just has players and that he just lets his players play and kind of stays out of their way. But I think there's something to be said for, I mean, when you have that many ball dominant players on one roster, 
somehow managing to salvage the on-court chemistry between those three, I mean, that, that's got to earn him some points. It's finding some way to make that system work and work as new players come in. I mean, you saw uh, Blake Griffin, who he had a big gap in his, like, kind of NBA relevance between when he was, like, on top of the world with the Clippers and then his, like, dark ages in Detroit. He comes to Brooklyn. He steps right into the mix and instantly thrives. And with the amount of talent and the amount of uh, possessions being utilized between KD, Harden, and Kyrie, that's a big deal for a player like Blake Griffin to instantly come in and instantly fill a role like that. And just while we're on the topic, I do want to say I do hate the people who acted like the addition of Blake Griffin and even um, LaMarcus Aldridge for that short time such a big deal for the Nets because weeks before they were on the Nets, we were talking about how ass they were and they weren't beneficial to the teams they were on. But all of a sudden when they got on the Nets, they were these God players, you know? So I guess that's, that's a nod towards Nash saying like, it's something the media is going to take away from him. All right. Um, That's pretty much, our NBA segment. We're going to hit MLB real quick before we wrap it up with highs and lows. I've got a few things uh, to hit on MLB. I don't know if I actually stated this um, in whenever we were doing our intro last episode, doing teams, but I ride or die with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, if you guys remember from last episode, ex-college baseball player baseball has been basically my entire life and the Cardinals are who I've got and they we've kind of had some rough years some disappointing years than what we're used to the Cardinals are hot right now I mean I'm telling you they are on fire whenever we started making notes for this episode we were just coming off of a sweep of the Reds who are one of the best teams in the National League right now, or were at the time of our last recording. We turn around and we split a series with the Phillies, and we are now up six to three. Going streak has moved us from the middle of the pack in L Central to standalone second place in the NL Central and a mere two games behind the Brewers. I, I don't really know if there's going to be much out of either of y'all on this. I just wanted to kind of throw that in there and give my Cardinals some shine in this situation um, just to see them come out so hot in the beginning of the season, which we're normally not great at. But my next uh, highlight of the MLB Cardinals bit, I caught a glimpse of the NL West standings and something is happening in the NL West. I just mentioned that my Cardinals are 13 and 12 standalone second place in the Central. The fourth place team out of five in the NL West are 13 and 12. 
the Giants and the Dodgers have two of the best records in baseball inside the same division. And then the kind of forgotten team in third place there, I say forgotten, I use that word tentatively, is the Padres, who are like one of the faces of baseball right now, one of the most electrifying teams in the league. And they're in third place in their division. The NL West is absolutely wild to me right now. And, oh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm definitely a victim of, I love baseball, but the Astros, uh, I'm I'm definitely a victim of not keeping up with the rest of the league. Um, Just just why I'm not chiming in too much here. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I'm just like, it's, I've never been big on baseball until it gets at least after the. Uh, Until it gets after the. You good? Yeah, you good. I hear hear you cutting out, so I start. I stopped talking. Oh yeah, I'm good. Okay. Well, anyways. I start paying attention more after the All-Star break when it gets closer to the playoffs. That's when it gets more exciting. Right now, it's the beginning of the season, and anything can still happen, so it's hard to keep keep track of everything that's going on. We said the same thing last episode, that really there's there's no reason to really get too invested in it until about August comes around. Um, I just saw, saw the tear that the Cardinals were going on in the NL Central, just really felt like throwing that in there. Um, the one thing that happened this past week that I did want to dig into, um, Madison Bumgarner for the Giants threw a no-hitter this week. However, most people probably didn't hear about it in the news because it was part of one of those special COVID doubleheaders that they're instrumenting this year. And it was a seven-inning game. So the MLB has came out and ruled it an unofficial no-hitter that will not be counted towards his stats. I wouldn't count that either because Baumgartner is somebody that I do know about because I had him on my fantasy team, and he has been absolutely hot ass. I mean, that doesn't take away. Like, so That doesn't mean that he's – that that hit, no-hitter doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I know, but I mean, we'll never know if it would last until the ninth. I, didn't, I don't see him yeah. lasting. Prime, prime Baumgartner, yes. But so, now, towards like towards the end of his prime, I don't see that him lasting all the last two innings with it. I, I'm gonna say I hate MLB's COVID rules because I think, I mean, it's two innings. I guess it adds up to four when you have back-to-back games. Does four innings really matter that much when most times in doubleheaders you end up players don't not all the players play the games back-to-back, and I even if you think about the extra inning rule where you have someone start on second, I think that's just awful. I, I think the MLB just managed that horribly. Or... So I, I actually have a, a rebuttal to Hunter saying that he kind of leans towards the side of the MLB with the situation. Oh. As a low-level call, got a draft interrupt. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the – Ooh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just drafted Kyle Trask. Oh, Brady's successor. Oh, I yeah, like Brady's that. obviously not going to last. Yeah, I, I think he's got Kyle, two years. Kyle Trask, two years under Brady. 
with oh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I like that. Possibly I like that a Bruce, lot. Maybe still Bruce Arians coaching. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bruce Arians, one of the best coaches you'd want for a young God. QB to develop. I like oh, that a lot. I, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting you, Goosh, but I glanced over and saw Kyle Trask to the, the Buccaneers, the I last really, pick in this thing. I really, Ooh. really like that. And you saying that, that officially means that Kellen Mond is in the third round. Anyways, back to me tearing Sorry. apart. <laughs> back to back to me tearing some holes into Hunter's uh, Madison Bumgarner take. A, I played low-level college baseball, which means a lot of doubleheaders and a lot of seven-inning doubleheaders. And as a pitcher, I can tell you that a no-hitter through seven is just as hard as a no-hitter through nine. And I think the biggest piece of like evidence to argue for Madison Mungarns in this situation, which I'm kind of putting towards you, Hunter. In a seven-inning game, COVID rules still apply. If he would have thrown a one-hitter, would it still be a one-hitter? No, I never once said that. I don't think it should count. I'm just saying I should have more clearly said he should be happy that it was during a seven-inning game and not a nine-inning one, because I don't see him okay. passing through a nine-inning. No, I, I, I didn't say Yeah, that's why you I just really rebuttal me i'm like no i'm not rebuttaling i think it should count i mean he played the game and didn't yeah. hit just put an but, asterisk next to it i, I, I think see, it, i don't I'll, even think i wouldn't say an asterisk because it's either. not madison bumgarner's fault like he didn't no. choose to throw the snow hitter in the like post covid year I, I this just really i've had a problem with mlb's executives and the commissioner's office for a while i think they do a terrible job uh, the unwritten rules of MLB are also awful, and I think that kind of ties into why they made the seven inning not official yeah. either. And that's the thing is, yeah, I mean, like, if you just have all these, if, I mean, honestly, all these old people that are so invested in just it's nine innings because it's nine innings and it's always been nine innings. Okay, but why? Like, why is a seven inning no hitter any less impressive than? a nine inning no hitter and like i said i read that online about if it was a one hitter no one would have a problem counting it as a one hitter or a two hitter but because it's a no hitter in seven we have a problem with it and and the fact that the mlb didn't take up for its player in this situation and chose to kind of uh i'm losing the word but uh, the fact that they chose to um it's I can't I'm not gonna be able to think of it. I'm just really disappointed in, in MLB for not taking Madison Bumgarner's side in this. Yeah, it's I mean it should it should have been recorded as an official no hitter, but because of good old COVID. Yeah. Anyways, last bit, but last bit quick, of MLB. Uh, oh, go ahead. Just while I'm dogging on the like unwritten rules of MLB. I, I want to point out, I think it was last year where the Padres, uh, did, didn't Tatis hit like a grand slam? I might, I might be getting the player team wrong, but like they were already up big in ninth and he had a grand slam and he got shit for it saying you don't do that. They were up like six. But I just want to point out. Well, I think it was, I want to say he swung on like a 3-0 count or something. Yeah, yeah, he, he should have. But like, who cares? And- I'm going to go and correct you before you get hate. It's Tatis. Tatis I, that's why I sorry. looked up. I was like, 
Yeah, I, I, I guess you're Tatis. saying. Um, I, I, but, I know exactly what you're talking about. I believe it was a 3-0 count or a, I, I think it was 3-0. It might have been 3-1. Yeah. Um, you're supposed to take the, big, the pitch. I mean, almost universally, not not just in a, a ninth inning, you take 3-0. But I, I said this at the time that it happened last year. Hey, pitcher, don't put yourself in a 3-0 hole and you don't yeah. have to throw that fastball. Like, but, you're putting yourself in a 3-0 hole with bases loaded to one of the best hitters in the game. Like, you get what you get. Mm-hmm. But just kind of kind of my, like, point to that, it, it's, it's no shot at you, Gooch. It's just the, the example from my memory. Back in 2018, the Astros were down 11-0 against the St. Louis Cardinals. And... And that was after Not three innings. But... In, in, in the sixth inning alone, we scored 11 runs. And baseball, th- I mean, there's no time limit on an inning. Anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think out of all the unwritten rules, the, the pile, a rule against piling it on is just awful. Because Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, and I, the unwritten rules are slowly going to start um, – kind of fading away as this new generation of players comes in. I'm kind of 50-50 on it. I definitely have my mind that I still subscribe to, but I definitely think there are a, a good portion of them that were implemented by old guys, and they're all just real stuffy, like, keep your head down, don't, like, do your thing and go back to the dugout type of rules. Like, if you're up big in the ninth inning, don't swing through. Like, who cares? He saw a pitch he liked and he hit it. He did exactly what he's supposed to do. And exactly what he was saying. You can score any amount of runs in any inning. So, yeah, the unwritten rules and tying this back to Bumgarner, which started this, there's just no reason to take this – hardcore stand over two innings it doesn't make any sense all it does is take away from the players and the value of the game um uh, i actually did have um kind of an unwritten rule type take on our next topics of mlb the viral clip that was going around of the uh pitcher who sadly my cardinals hit bryce this was a really bad uh, situation for me because I'm ride or die St. Louis Cardinals. That's my team. Bryce Harper, however, is my favorite player and has been my favorite player for about four or five years now. And seeing this video of him wearing that 97 mile an hour fastball just straight to the teeth was painful for me to watch on all sides because the video, Bryce Harper takes this 97 mile an hour fastball straight to the face. Texans pick. Vikings traded up to number two. I think they traded oh. up to second, but they got Kellen Mond. Minnesota Vikings drafted Kellen Mond right in front of Let's the Texans pick. Go. So, hey, hey. Fuck. Hunter, Ian Book's still on the board. Who? The quarterback from Notre Dame. Oh, my. I'm just now seeing that uh, hit by pitch. And you just saw the video? Yeah. Oh my God, my stomach that, sunk when that I saw that. That could not have hit him more square in the face. How do you not turn your head, dude? 
Like this dude literally opens his body up to it. Like turn the other way. I don't know what was going on with Bryce Harper. That was really for me to watch. But then in the video, the freaking pitcher hits the next batter too. And then um, I'm blanking on the name for the manager for the Phillies, but uh, umpire obviously issues warnings to both teams and the manager for the Phillies was hot. Ended up getting thrown out over it. Um, and I get his frustration, um, but I know exactly why the umpire did it. The umpire did it uh, because you just got your best player blasted in the face. And then another player immediately after hit with a 95 monitor fastball. Um, I'll tell you right now, that umpire was not warning the Cardinals because those were two obviously unintentional um, mm -hmm. pitches by the Cardinals pitcher. The umpire was warning the Phillies. He warned both teams, but that was directed solely at the Phillies to prevent retaliation on their part, which goes back into the unwritten rules. And surprisingly, there are a ton of unwritten rules that actually support retaliation in that scenario. Oh, yeah. You stand up for your players. I mean, That's one thing I love about baseball. The Phillies uh, umpire – or not um, – Empire. The Phillies manager was absolutely livid, resulting in him getting ejected in that situation. But what the manager or what the umpire, I'm dying, um, did he saved that game, whether you like it or not, he saved that game from turning into just an absolute bloodbath. I pose a question for you. Would you rather get hit in the face by a 97 mile an hour ball or catch a hook from Tyson Fury? Oh. Uh, My chicken I mean, ball? Do what? Is, where, where is the ball hitting? Like in the face. So I mean, like the Bryce, face. Bryce Harper got hit in the face, but he can't, he walked away. No broken nose, no broken teeth. If and uh, yeah, okay, and one that, one that's sheer luck, though, Fury. dude. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, give me the punch. Yeah. Yeah, I'm taking the punch all day. I'm taking the punch. But uh, are are we? Give uh, the good. punch from Tyson Fury. Gooch cutting that. And I'll show you. I was going to say, damn. Oh, you're good. Am you're I good. back? You're Are back. You back? You're back. Texans picked a quarterback. I was going to say, give Who? me the punch. They picked Davis and... Mills. Standing Who? quarterback. Who? Who is this Who? guy? Who is this guy? Hey, I actually, I'm not going to oh lie. I've heard, heard that name going around mock drafts. Supposedly, so... he's like one of the smartest quarterbacks in the draft so if y'all drafted a quarterback especially not kellen mond or trask that means watson's gone y'all know watson's gone what this but, oh this who? just turned in all right this is a great okay. transition into our no no, no wait, wait. I, i'm i'm sorry we, we can transition right after this but just we're all on the topic of mlb and unwritten rules we'll never be on this topic again probably <laughs> but the yankees no facial hair and no ha long oh hair rule so is the worst thing I hate in it. sports. I 
hate it. The worst. And I have gotten in so sports. many absolutely <laughs> heated arguments with baseball players over this. And like, and it, it's absolutely argument? wild to me. Based somehow, argument? baseball players love this rule. I don't understand it. But baseball players will defend this rule to the absolute death. And it drives me insane. You are a professional athlete getting paid millions of dollars. I don't give a shit what your hair looks like. No. Like, as long as you come it, up and play It pained me wanna, watching Garrett Cole have to shave. You want to hear the argument, Hunter? I'll tell you the argument. At least if you talk to like a normal baseball player, yeah, what the what argument is the argument? They're the Yankees and they can. So there's, they don't have any any factual things to back it up. They're just like, oh, they can do it. They're the Yankees. It's it's tradition, and if you don't like it, don't sign with yeah. the Yankees. Oh, so what what so, what, what so if the Yankees drafted you, and you had like a big old beard? Like, could you say I'm not going to yeah, shave my beard? You? I mean, yeah. So it's actually interesting you said that. Um, Wiz not going to pull this up. I can't think of it on top of my head. The Orioles. I believe it was the Orioles had the exact same rule for a very long time and had that exact situation. They signed a blockbuster free agent um, who I freaking can't think of the name of off the top of my head. And he refused. He had, um, I believe he, it was, he had long hair. I don't think it was a beard. Um, and he refused to cut his hair. And guess what? The Orioles no longer have that rule because they were not willing to lose this blockbuster free agent. Um, and you, we've seen multiple big-time names go to the Yankees and comply with this rule, but it's a matter of time. I hate this rule. It's the dumbest oh, thing yeah. in baseball, and it's a matter of time before we see a true superstar baseball player sign with the Yankees and fight this rule, and it'll be gone. It's, Garrett it's a Cole matter should of time. Have done it. Garrett Cole he should have, and I really and hope he would. I really was like hoping he would in that situation, and I was extremely disappointed in him for not taking a stand in that situation. Um, and then this is like my last thing before we get off of MLB, just to solidify my stance on the Tyson Fury punch versus where in that pitch. Uh, this is a picture of Giancarlo Stanton. That was the result of an 88 mile an hour fastball. So okay. that, that's all I need to see. Yeah. Tyson Fury can punch me all day long. Anyways, that will take us to our final segment, highs and lows. This is going to be a recurring segment. I'm going to go ahead and start. I saved this for the end. I skipped right through NFL without mentioning this too much. My low for the week is the Cincinnati Bengals front office. I was absolutely a appalled with their fifth overall pick it doesn't make any sense to me I have yet to make it to hear an argument that makes it make sense Jamar Chase at number five if I I I understand they say that Burrow hyped him up and that's his guy and wanted to be reunited with him but a if you're the front office do what's best for him not what he wants like if you're a parent and your toddler wants ice cream for dinner every day they don't get ice cream for dinner every day they eat their vegetables you just had your franchise rookie quarterback miss an entire season due to injury 
protect him. You have a generational lineman come through the draft, fall in your lap, and you pass on him to draft your quarterback's buddy. Horrible, irresponsible. If I'm Joe Burrow's manager or parents, I'm livid. I, I get that they came around and they got a guy in the second round. Cool, that's great. Penny Sewell is what that team needed, and it was absolutely irresponsible for the Bengals to pass on Penny Sewell. So if I have just a little bit of argument to that, um, can, can you hear me, Gooch? <laughs> yeah, I got you. Okay, okay. You, you're gone for a second. But if, if I have a little argument to that, it's got to be um, if, if, if they believe Jamar Chase is as good as he is and the connection that Burrow and Chase have, I mean, you're risking another year of injury. You're risking another year, just whatever. But you've seen, especially as a Cowboys fan, I've seen guys from the late teens and early 20s be all pro tackles, guards, centers for the Cowboys. So when you have that number five overall pick, you think he's that good at receiver and has that good connection with your quarterback, you take it. And next year, if you're middle of the pack, 15 overall pick team, you can hit on one of those guys. I get it. That's the need now. And I also, it doubles up is I just don't see a need at wide receiver for the Bengals. I get that Jamar Chase is good. I have no doubts in Jamar Chase being a good wide receiver and having a connection with Burrow. Look at the wide receiver room in Cincinnati. There's no need for this. You have A.J. Green, Ty Boyd, and T. Higgins. But is, is Boyd – or no, Boyd's good. T. Higgins. Who, who was the first name you, you said? A.J. Green. A.J. Green's gone. He's on the Cardinals. I, I thought this, and I freaking looked this up to make sure I didn't run into this. Yeah, um, A.J. Green's on the Cardinals. Speaking, the Cardinals picked receiver last round. So the Cardinals have A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore apparently is one of one of the receivers with a lot of upside. In if it wasn't for injury, he probably would have won it a little higher than that. So I don't know. Uh, Kyler Murray is no excuse next year. Yeah, uh, that just wrap, that wraps up my freaking rant about the Cincinnati Bengals. I'll never ever come around on this pick. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. I, th- I think it's a bad decision, and I'm not changing my mind. We have a late highs and lows edition for Hunter with a last minute uh, with a last minute topic. It was fairly a good week until roughly eight minutes ago. Now, I'm, I'm, I really want a refreshing glass of bleach. The Texans have so many needs to fill, wide receiver being the biggest and most glaring need. And they go out and pick Davis Mills. Who? He he started. Let, let, let's look at this. 
So Bleacher Report, no, ESPN was kind enough to just throw a little tidbit in there. 65 and a half completion percentage. Okay. 11 starts the past two seasons. How do you have 11 starts in two seasons and somehow you're high enough to be picked in the third round? <sighs> Texans are poverty. I hate this franchise. I guess. We're officially out the door. But guess who's still going to turn in guess all 17? Ian Book doesn't look so bad now. I guess not. I mean, I hey. don't even know who Davis Mills is. Hunter, on the bright side, you'll have a first round pick next year. Unless they trade it away. I don't under now I'm starting to feel Gooch's pain a little bit. We had Kellen Mond right there. This kind of I mean Trask and Mond went this pick before and three picks before. If they're picking quarterback as the third round, I feel like they would have gone Mond easily. So that's what hurts even more. Nobody saw them going quarterback in the third round. The Vikings must have caught wind of that and Oh, I think think everyone kind of knew, and I think that the Vikings got traded up right above them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think think everyone kind of knew where this was going. So I don't know if you can necessarily blame the Texans 100%. I think they were locked in on Kellen Mond. I think the Vikings screwed them. And th- this kind of smells pick to me. Smells what? Like you, you lose your guy, literally. The oh pick, yeah. Like a like a panic, like a panic. Oh yeah. You're, you're, you lose your guy. You're chasing a position. Yeah. I think you're, you're locked in. Least, oh, they could at least pick somebody that's third round war. If, if somebody, Tyler Wallace is still available. You got Miami Brown is still available. It's just yeah. I I I think I think they were locked in quarterback no matter what. They they lost their guy Kellen Mond moments before their pick. They saw a name on the board and they ran with it. That, See, that's what I. That's what it looks like to me. I, I'm getting real Tom Savage vibes right now. Let's see. Uh, it, it's it's. I've got to lie to myself and buy into whoever the shit Davis Mills in. See, I see, Davis I Mills. I can't tell myself anymore that Watson's going to stay. This is Dave, out the door now. So Davis now Mills I, is I, for sure a project. Now so I've got to buy into Tyrod Taylor. Hunter's going to be posting Davis Mills highlights on Twitter. <sighs> oh my god, this Davis is... Mills. But well, so I. I said in the beginning of the draft that my speculation is Trey Lance, the San Francisco, is going to shake up like Bears and Trubisky 2.0. I I think that this is cookie cutter uh, Packers, Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers. I think these two scenarios are almost exactly the same. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. E- even if you think, like, they obviously don't even think Watson's going to be there. He's either going to get suspended because they think he's guilty, or they plan on trading him. There's no way you take it Davis Mills. This happened in the third round because you can't just be like, 
third round's too high to be like, oh, he's just uh, the job of the backup. Third round's too high. But third round's also too low to be like, oh, he's our future. So I'm just kind of like stuck in the middle right here. Yeah, I mean, I I just feel like I'm stuck in a rotation of poverty of Houston sports. I don't know. Like, unless you can squeak out a trade, you have to try and squeeze one more year out of Watson. Uh, I mean, like, are, are, are you starting Davis Mills week one? No, they got Ty- Tyron and start over Mills easy. Until oh. he gets stabbed in the chest again. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, I'm pretty know. sure that either way to the end let's, of the low. Okay. So let's go ahead and well, go to the Yeah, house. let's hit our high note and then get out of here. Well, I, I have I, a high I can... written down, so let me just go ahead and squeeze my name, which really I don't even give a shit about it anymore. I had a great day today. <laughs> My high was just going to be an improv too, talking about how great my day was and I made a shitload of money at work, but now I don't even care. <laughs> well, you can go spend that $100 tip on some Clorox, buddy. Uh, I don't know about Clorox. I might make it fancy now. I might just give me some rope. Find a nice tree. So I'll, I'll run through my highs because I got a couple real quick. Just overall, a good week. Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood had games of their career last night. Won't get too much into that. But last weekend, I saw my first new movie in theaters since COVID. And nobody, the actor from, has the actor from Better Call Saul. I barely even read over the description. Didn't know what I was walking into. And I'll just say I was pleasantly surprised. One of the original, funny, good action it, it, it's it felt good seeing an original movie that I really enjoyed, if, if y'all know what I mean. Like it, it seems like everything's a, a copy of something or a sequel or another Avengers movie, something like that. And yeah, so see nobody if you haven't, and if anyone has a Amazon Prime TV, whatever it's called, Prime Video. Uh, there's a superhero show called Invincible. It's a cartoon based off a comic, but it is brutal. They don't literally don't pull any punches, blood, gore, guts. It's amazing. Uh, just finished season one, eight episodes. Binge them. It's great. So, I don't know. All right. And then last, but definitely not least, my high note for the week we are finally having serious conversations about expanding the college football playoff. I, I want to say the article I saw was saying they were playing around with a 12-team playoff. I know that eight has been kind of like the casual conversation for fans. I have been a huge disciple of the eight-team playoff since like the second year <clears throat> of the college football playoff. It's so easy to me. Like, I'm so glad we're having this conversation and that it's actually turning into a real possibility. The eight-team playoff shapes itself. There's, it's not hard. You, t- I mean, eight teams, every group of five champion. You win your – or not group of five, every power five champion. Power five, you win your conference, you're in. You take the best 
group of five conference champion, which really shouldn't be that hard. If you take all the group of five conference champions, line them up, there should be one that stands out above the rest automatically in. And then after that, two at largest. There's eight. That's the tournament. And so then in that situation, you've got essentially six auto qualifiers and only two at largest. So rather than the system we have now, where it seems like one, if not two teams gets fucked every year, you're you're only um, having to argue and debate and head scratch over two spots. The, the other six spots fill themselves. I think this is a perfect scenario, and I think this is way overdue for the college football playoff. I agree. I feel like it's very overdue, but I feel like 12 is kind of a drastic jump. I would say so, start the expansion with maybe six, but for popular, more popular eight. I'm like eight would be yeah. a good so, start. I, I like the 12, actually. I don't know if y'all have looked up the 12 bracket, but – it actually keeps the original four teams, one through four, they all get buys. And then the remaining eight teams all play to then play one through four. Okay. I, I, so I, I kind of I like it. You, you keep the be, being one through four still means something. And yeah, I kind of okay, like, like that. that and I think that, that, that scenario, I think it keeps it competitive. Yeah. Because um, like the big arguments against eight is like no one allegedly – Nobody wants to see one versus eight. Yeah. I don't Five versus 12 will be more competitive that. than one versus eight. I get that. I don't think it's fair to completely write off one versus eight. Because, I mean, any given Sunday, a lot of times, uh, oh, I'm cutting out. All right, I, I don't think that like you're gonna see a lot of eights over ones, but I don't think you want the possibility. Uh, I just think eights cleaner. I get twelve. I'll take anything at this point. Anything's better than four. Yeah, four is pretty outdated. This is they need to change it. Uh, it's just not. It was, it was entertaining yeah. at first, but now, now I'm, I'm just, just like, oh well, okay. Especially with it being damn near the same teams every year. Okay, but here's here's like a good example. Like, would you have rather this year watched Alabama play the eighth seed would have been Cincinnati, or would you have rather watched A and M at five play Coastal Carolina, an eleven and O team that maybe didn't have the hardest that hard of a schedule? I think. You well, get... that's assuming that's assuming that the eighth seed is whoever's ranked just eighth. the same. Like I said, in my the situation I threw out where you have your six auto bids as your conference champions and two at larges, that, that means nothing for seeding. You take those eight teams and you seed them however you want. So that does, that doesn't mean that like your group of five champions automatically go into eight. So like, that leaves you a little bit of room for like parody and to mix it up and maybe get some interesting matchups. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying is like, I mean, is Cincinnati beating Alabama? No, probably not. No. Same thing I said. But I'd at least like to see the game be played because maybe they do. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Virginia lost to a 16 seed in basketball. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that you like a one versus eight football game is a write-off. Like, let them play it. Like, I'd like yeah. to see it. 
Hey, Wiz, why you got that pulled up? Can you tell me where Stanford was ranked this past year? Stanford. Oh, my God. Are they even ranked? They aren't even ranked. Oh, my God. Yeah, y'all drafted an unranked quarterback. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. I'm about to go off. Well, how, many, how many games did the Pac-12 end up playing last year? Did okay, they play? Yeah, I'm, I forgot about did COVID. The- as I say, I, I don't even remember if the Pac-12 played. I know the Big Ten played their little mini season. I don't know if the Pac-12 got back in at all. That makes sense with the saying two or eleven starts in two seasons, because really this season, if they even played at all, mm-hmm. maybe look up last season, or last year's you could, and see what it was. You could look. You could look at it on the dark side and say y'all drafted an unranked quarterback that hasn't played in a year and a half. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they that, played last year. That would year. make us look I'm, stupid, regardless of why we took that in the third round. I'm searching standings, and it brings up 2019. So I don't think they even played last year. Yeah. And Stanford the year before was a bottom of the Pac-12 so North. So. <sighs> I'm sorry, Hunter. Yeah. Well. But this is probably my last episode. Last time you'll hear my voice. The Cowboys just drafted someone who I don't even know how to attempt to pronounce his name. But it's an edge, which I definitely don't think we need. Would have rather had some sort of tackle. But I don't know. All right. Well, with this Cowboy talk, seems like a good place to end this as any. This was episode two. If you liked it, share it with your friends or coworkers. People you don't like, spread the word. And follow us on pretty much all social media. Um, it's all going to be the same at below 500 pod. We're on YouTube, we're on Apple, we're on Google, we're everywhere. Uh, get the word out. And look out for episode three.